We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pack-A-Day. It is Sunday. We're in the heart of summer, and this is kind of an exciting episode of Pack-A-Day for me because I am debuting with my new partner, Paul Brettel, and we spoke a while before the show started, Paul, and the one question I didn't ask you, which was the most important question, was am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yes, you are. And you're one of the few to get it right on the first try. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, so at where I work, we have, uh, I, I work at a hotel. And so obviously we have a lot of guests that are staying with us. And one of the things mm-hmm. that we go through every day is the arrivals list. And I've been kind of dubbed the the name guy. So if someone doesn't know how to pronounce something, they turn to me. So yours is pretty easy. I don't know. It seems kind of common sense, but you never know. So mm-hmm. um, welcome. It's uh, it's good to be teaming up with you. Uh, yeah, for those yeah, for those of you who don't know everybody, um, Paul spent the majority of the day today doing some major manual labor in his yard, putting up a a fence, and I can only assume, Paul, that the reason why you decided to take this project on was you came to the realization that one of your neighbors must be either a Bears or a Vikings fan. Yeah, the obnoxiousness from those fan bases have carried over to my backyard from Twitter. <laughs> uh, and, it, you know, it, it has the... Chicago Bear fans have been very vocal with us, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the teams play in week one. 
but no shortage of no shortage of fire coming from them, and it's only a matter of time before the Vikings fans come out of their shell and do what they do. So I think I think it's going to be a fun season. But the cool thing is, is that just a couple days ago there was actual Packers football to talk about. There was a game that got played. So I know we're going to, going to kind of focus on a couple of key areas there. But Paul, just kind of uh, general takeaways from it. You know, what did you see that? you really liked and was there anything that you saw that was concerning even though it's only one preseason game and none of the starters played really was there anything that concerned you um yeah there's two two pretty big things that stood out one was the tackling um as we know as packer fans that's something you know open field tackling that we've had issues with for a, a number of years now and you know credit to joe webb he's a very mobile quarterback the defensive line or the front did a really good job of getting pressure but they couldn't contain him. And then once he got into the open field, it was kind of the same old story with those missed tackles. Um, you know, it's the first preseason game. Guys haven't played, you know, if they're, you know, in their second year or more, they haven't played since December, January. A lot of it's young guys. So it's to be expected, but still something that I hope to see improves as we move on. And then the other thing was special teams. Um, they had the fumble for the touchdown, which was nice. That was more so an error on the, Texans return man than, you know, in my opinion, the Packers doing anything special. Um, but they started off with a penalty to start the game. Um, Teal Redding had the fumble. They gave up, uh, off the top of my head, I can think of two returns of at least 15, 20 yards to the, uh, Houston. So, you know, it's a new coach, but still something that they got to continue to shore up. Yeah, the tackling was a problem. And, you know, again, one preseason game, but I'm with you. I think you you practice, you play like you practice, and, and these are things that are continue to be a challenge. And everyone points to the CBA and the amount of practices they can have. And Matt Lafleur has obviously made a decision that he doesn't want a lot of live tackling in practice because he wants to save his players' legs. And there was even an issue earlier this week in the first joint practice where you had a Texan safety who was going full tilt with the hitting, and Jay Sternberger ends up in the concussion protocol because of it. So we know what the head coaches take on that whole thing is. Uh, hopefully they get that cleaned up. I mean, the good news is that it's not the fourth preseason game or worse, the third, or when a lot of starters are playing have to hope that they would fare a lot better than the second, third team defenses did. Cause Joe Webb just, you can tell he's a, he's a seven year vet. I mean, he made mm-hmm. them look kind of foolish running around out there and it was kind of frustrating to see, but I, you know, the, on the defensive side of things, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but Mike Pettin is, is a holdover, so at least you've got some continuity there. He's going to come back and take the reins on this defense and continue on with, with what he started last year, and then hopefully the young guys can, can kind of take over. So do you think, I mean, do you feel like, uh, you know, it's something, and, and also Mike Pettin is apparently this year he's going to be on the sideline. Last year he's in the, he's been, the defensive coordinator has been in the booth since Mike McCarthy came to town. So that's going to be a change. Do you think that is going to have any kind of a a positive impact? I can only think of it as something that probably would help, especially when you've got younger players and you've got to get them up to speed. Yeah, I think him being on the sidelines is just from a coaching standpoint and just his, his presence alone, he carries himself in, um, in a certain way, and I think that's going to rub off on the, the players just having that interaction face-to-face on the sideline. And I think – I personally think this defense can has the potential to be special this season. They, you know, like you said, it's Penton's second season, but they've given him all the tools to perfectly run his defense. 
the defensive front is versatile, athletic guys can play in and out, drop into coverage. Um, he's got his cover corners um, and Jair Alexander, you know, playing man coverage and Kevin King's supposed to be there. Hopefully he's healthy. I mean, Amos, Amos and Savage on the back end, he's got the defense built to his liking. So I'm expecting big things from this year, from them this year. And realistically with a new offense, they're gonna they're gonna have to carry their weight a little more than they have in the years past, at least to start the season. Because I'm, you know, I think it's safe to assume there might be some early struggles as the offense adapts to the floor system. Yeah, that's all very fair, and I, I think I agree with a lot of that too. I think the big thing is going to be the same story as every season and every football team in the league that that what they and what they deal with in terms of the availability of players and health. I think that's going to be the do you have your preferred guys out there? If you do, I think they've got a good chance to do some really good things on at corner Jair is Alexander is primed to make a big jump forward. I like the safety group. Some, you know, there's, there've been questions about whether the safety group is good or not. I think Adrian Amos has looked good in practice so far. Um, I haven't really heard too much about Darnell Savage, but you know, you figure he kind of got a late start with the uh, wisdom tooth, you know, hold out there. And I think, I think he'll hopefully come on. Uh, I've, I've liked Raven green since last year. And, you know, you throw Jamerson in there, you've got a pretty steady group there, and they're also going to play some special teams, and, and a lot of those guys are, um, are going to be helpful there too. And then Josh Jones is kind of in that conversation or not, you know, with, with him being a, a hybrid uh, safety and linebacker, which then takes us to kind of our first topic to drill down on. We just found out um, late yesterday, Saturday, that Oren Burke suffered a torn pectoral muscle in preseason game number one so he is going to be out for quite some time I didn't see any timetable given for his return but obviously a torn pectoral muscle is not anything small so here we are again one year later Burks had the shoulder injury last year he missed some time and then he really didn't play much on defense during the season it sounds like he's probably going to miss even more time with this injury and Paul, I know we want to talk about the inside linebacker group because I, I think they're kind of an underrated part of the, the puzzle that is the Packers' defense. Burks was kind of penciled in as as one of the key contributors next to Blake Martinez. So where does this put the Packers now, knowing that they're going to be without Burks for a while? Um, I mean, I think it sets them back. They were expecting Burks to be more kind of that cover corner but still give that linebacker size, give them that big defensive front. Um, the injury last year derailed his season and a big, you know, what I saw with what his struggles were last season were kind of the pre-snap with all the movements and kind of getting lost in what was coming, reaping what was going to be happening and anticipating what was going to come next. And so, you know, what's the best way to overcome that and learn? It's being on the field. So obviously this is going to be a setback for him. Um, but as far as the team, Josh Jones, Raven Green, they've been playing a lot in that uh, hybrid linebacker role. So they're guys who can step in. But also we've seen a lot of good things from, you know, Ty Summers had a great game. Uh, James Crawford has done well, and so has Curtis Bolton. So like you said, I don't – it's obviously not something you want if you're the Packers, but I don't think they're as bad off as some may think. Yeah, you want, I mean, Burks, the athletic traits, we've heard all about that, but unfortunately we haven't been able to see it because he hasn't spent any time on the field with the defense. And the old, you know, cliche, the corny cliche about the best ability is availability. You know, you don't want to see this become a, a regular thing with Burks. And so hopefully, I mean, injuries aren't something you can 
you can control, and obviously guys don't try to get hurt. But for me, the focus is really, okay, who's left? Who's still there? And it, it's going to be interesting to watch this position group in, in particular to see if they decide to add another guy because you mentioned some of the other guys, and you throw Josh Jones into that conversation too, and you suddenly may have – you may already have your answer. Maybe that if they like Josh Jones, I mean, Josh Jones is kind of an intriguing situation. I, I know we weren't going to talk about uh, the safety position too much, but since he's probably going to, you know, come down and play some dime, um, kind of really bizarre. I don't know how many times I've seen a player talk himself out of town. And then a couple weeks later, he's back. And now not only does the team believe in him, because he didn't play on, on Thursday. And I don't know if you take the same kind of approach that I do. Whereas, if someone isn't suiting up for the first preseason game, my inkling is that that player is probably in the team's long-term plans and they're saving that person. I don't think Josh Jones has, has um, been so injured that he couldn't play. So that leads me to believe that the team's got plans for him. Well, now, on the inside there, you may see a lot more of Josh Jones than any of us anticipated. What did, what did you think of how that whole thing played out? And are you encouraged now with what you think he can add to the defense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, from the time that he demanded the trade, uh, I've always hoped that they could work it out um, just because of the additions of Amos and Savage. They're going to be a better team with him because of what he can bring in the box. You know, he's an athletic player. He's best in that kind of downhill mentality. You know, it was two years ago now during his rookie year, but the, you know, in my air quotes here, the Josh Jones game against the Bengals had 11 tackles and two sacks, something like that. It was just a phenomenal game. And I think playing more in that dime linebacker role, we're going to see more of that from him. And now with the Burks injury, I personally don't think he's going anywhere now. Um, just that lack of depth that they have there. I think he's going to end up playing an important part of that defense. And I, for one, am happy to see him stay, hopefully. Yeah, second-round pick from just two years ago. That's it'd be, It would be kind of early to give up on something like that. And I, I say give up in terms of, you know, send him away. And, you know, that, that Bengals game is, is going to be forever in Josh Jones' lore. That, that, was a, that was one heck of a game. And, of course, that was like the third week of the season right. in 2017. So, of course, all of us are naively, and I say naively because, you know, now it's easy to say we know what it's like two years later, but we all naively thought to ourselves, man, this guy's going to be a stud. I mean, it almost was like, you know, you watched him play in that game and, and uh, everybody had him almost on the same track that maybe Jair's on right now. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Um, And just, I just wanted to bounce back to Warren Burks real quick. I've been to a couple practices and he's looked pretty good, you know, in a couple coverage scenarios. There was one where um, it was him against Aaron Jones and he was able, he was on him, he was just sticky, he was all over him, forced an interception. Next rep was Jamal Williams, and um, same thing. Didn't force the interception, but caused the incompletion. And so you could tell that he has the athleticism and the coverage ability there. So I do think it's going to be, I don't know, I'm disappointed that he's going to be out. Yeah, well, he's going to be missed for sure. But again, I think they've got some pieces that can plug in, and they may, may not necessarily need to do anything drastic. Like go out and sign a you know a, a vet that's going to take up a roster spot for another younger player, you know Ty Summers fortunately looked he did look really good. I liked his his um, you know his tracking his his big thing is that you know he may not necessarily be lightning quick, but it's how quickly you play in pads and he just looked like he could he could get sideline to sideline, which is something that the Packers haven't had very very much of. And so with Blake Martinez, Blake Martinez is your your preferred starter on the inside. You know he's. Also another one of those guys, he plays smart, he's not blazing fast, 
but he gets where you need to go. And I'd have to think that, you know, Martinez is in the game. Joe Webb doesn't get away. I get out of some of those pressures. I think he probably jumps in and makes the, makes the play. I mean, are you, you know, we're going into year four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 16, 17, 18, 19 with, with Martinez He's turned out to be a great pick, middle round guy. You know, those guys are not necessarily locks to make it. He made it from and, and jumped in there and played from day one. So, if they're rolling with Martinez in the middle, are you are you feeling good about it? Do you still feel good about Blake being being the preferred starter? Um, absolutely. He's you know he's the quarterback of that defense. He's proven that he can be trusted. Um, I think he's had well, over 120, 130 tackles each of the last two years. You know he's going to be where he's supposed to be just about you know every snap. And to me, you know that's almost irreplaceable. Just having kind of that um, reliability that he brings to the team. So I, you know, I, he's one of those guys I hope they bring back. And I know there's some fans that you know are on the fence about that, but I think he should be a target to resign. Yeah, I have seen the same thing. There's kind of a little bit of back and forth and. Now the other thing is, is with the morphing of NFL defenses and the way they've changed, how valuable is inside linebacker? And will this regime value the position differently than the previous one did, that being Ted Thompson? Ted Thompson was known for not valuing inside linebacker, and that's why you never had even a, a Blake Martinez type. And, and, you know, Martinez was, I think, uh, one of Thompson's last um, draft picks, and that ended up working out well. I'd, I'd like to see him back as well. I think if you've got a guy that knows the system and he's, you know, I think he's also an integral part of that locker room. I think same thing. I think you bring him back and the Packers have just proven year after year that they do a good job of, of paying contracts that are team friendly. They don't go too crazy. They might overpay at the time, but by the time the deal's done with, it's, it's a pretty good deal. So to me, yeah, I think, I think you bring Martinez back. I think he's one of those guys you have to, you have to be looking at after the season's over. Yeah, and I just want to add one more thing about him. I was listening to um, Michael Cohen's podcast when he was still with The Athletic, and he was interviewing, this was back in the spring, he was interviewing Blake Martinez, and you don't see it necessarily on the TV or even on the film every time, but he is he's an eraser. You know, there's a lot of injuries the last couple of years to the defense, young guys in there who are making mistakes. He, he covers for them, and so sometimes he may not be, you know, making the splash play, but he's doing his job and then also coaching others or taking over if someone missed their responsibility as well. So, you know, I'll always root for a guy or hope the Packers have a guy like that on the team. Yeah, I would agree. I, so I think it, the Burks injury is a bummer two years in a row. You're going to have the boo birds out there that are going to start calling him injury prone and all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of, it's, it's football. It's, it's, it's life in the NFL. So hopefully he can come back. We were talking about the injured reserve and the rules in terms of that and his eligibility to come back, and I'm not sure what the timelines are for whether he would you know, be able to do that yet. I think the team will – whatever they need to do in order to make him eligible to come back, I would assume the Packers would at least do that and keep him in play as an option to bring back off of injured reserve if they want to because you know those – like you said, those um, – those videos from camp looked really good. And you got an inside linebacker that can cover like that. That's mm-hmm. also not something that we're used to seeing. So that was, uh, that was good to see at the time. And then hopefully he can hurry himself back and, and get back at some point towards the back half of this, of this season. So in kind of transitioning to the other side of the ball, one of the more intriguing things to 
watch on Thursday night in, in Thursday night's game was the wide receiver competition. And they've got just a ton of guys that are fighting for these spots. You know, you've got the first four or five that are pretty much a lock, you know, with Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, um, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, throw Jake Kumaro in there, and Equinemius St. Brown. That's five. You still have Trevor Davis, who's your return guy right now, and he started making some actual plays at receiver. So that's a sixth guy. If you want to talk about guys that have spent time with the team and in regular season games. And then you've got some young guys. The young guys kind of stole the show, though. We were talking a little bit before we started about them. And, you know, Darius Shepard, what a great catch. And I give Deshaun Kaiser credit, too, for creating on the play. But he stretches over the middle, makes a huge play, huge catch for a touchdown. And then Alan Lazard, uh, who has has been with this team for a while as well, makes a nice catch. um, That was Tim Boyle, right? Yeah, it makes a really nice catch for a touchdown as well. So the Packers have their hands full with this wide receiver um, race. But let's start with the guys, like the top the top guys. Okay, so do you agree with the assessment there that you've got a Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, MVS, Equinemius, maybe not necessarily in that order on the depth chart, but those four to me are locks, yes? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and then Jake Kumaro just keeps catching ball after ball after ball. And mm-hmm. there's going to be some people out there that follow me on Twitter. Last last preseason, I was absolutely staunchly against even mentioning his name because <laughs> I just did not think he was going to make this roster, he was going to make this team, and lo and behold, he did. And then, of course, he gets in at the end of the season and he made, made a couple plays. But what's your take on Kumaro? I mean, I, I think we talked about it a little bit. I, I don't see any way that he's not on this roster. No, and I've come around on that side. So for much of the offseason and, you know, even up until maybe a week or two ago, I thought that if Jamon Moore and Jay Kumro were even, or even if Kumro had outperformed them a little bit, the Packers would um, stick with Jamon Moore. You know, he's 24 compared to Kumro, who's 27, who's actually the oldest receiver on the team. Um, Moore, you know, he had a rough rookie season, but it was a rookie season. He, he hasn't even gotten to his sophomore season yet. So I thought that they would go more with the upside and the potential if it was close. But it hasn't been close at all. And after Thursday's performance, you know, if Kumro just keeps doing what he's doing, I don't know how you keep him off the roster. Um, and as far as more, he, man, he just keeps doing what he's doing. He's just playing himself right off the roster. Yeah, kind of disappointing. Jamon Moore, fourth-round pick. I mean, he was picked ahead of both Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown yeah. last year, and he's just – the mental, it's mental, you know, it's mental. Cause if you, if you look at the replay and you watch some of the plays, yeah, he's getting, you know, the coverage is okay. It's not blanket, but he gets hands on these footballs and can't bring them in. He finally caught a touchdown. He got frustrated about it, but you know, it's, it's that whole, and, and I, you know, he, he tried to put himself out there in the right, in the off season, talking about how he's working on his footwork and working on everything else and practicing with his helmet on and trying to take that leap forward. And now it's almost like that's done him a disservice because now he comes out and everybody's like, okay, well, you put all this work in and you still haven't improved. What the heck is going on? I, at this point right now, Jamon Moore is a guy that's on the outside looking in, and, and I almost think that uh, if it continues the way it has, and I don't know what he's going to have to do to, to get overcome it, but you're looking at a guy that this team is probably going to have to either try to stash away in the practice squad if he's eligible or you know they, they may just have to – to part ways because they've got 
you know, these other talented bodies that we mentioned. Yeah, it, it was really confusing watching him. You know, even the catches that he made, they were both bobbled. And then I put this out on Twitter yesterday. I was re-watching the game, and just before his touchdown reception, he had that one where he was crossing the end zone and missed it. I was just really confused behind it because the two defenders were trailing him. There was really no – it was open space in front of him as he crossed the end zone, and he, you know, short-armed, alligator-armed it. Like he didn't see it initially, or I have, I have no clue. It was just – I was baffled by it, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know what the play call was, and it's not Aaron Rodgers, and it's, you know, I don't know how much time he spends with Kaiser or Boyle in practice, but you just, when you're in a game situation, you've got to make a play. If it's in front of you, you have to, literally in front of you, you, right. have, you, have to, you have to make the play. I know exactly which one you're talking about. He's in the end zone, and he's coming up on the ball, and it, it all but bounces right off his numbers, and it's just, it's so frustrating to see, first of all, from the standpoint of a fan, because, you know, in a game, in a real game, you would not want to lose six points like that, because that could cost Right. an entire touchdown but you feel you feel for more because Absolutely. you know that he's you know that he's fighting for it but at this it's kind of the same thing at, at inside linebacker where it's like yeah we're bummed that Burks is hurt but look at who's behind him you know I mean I'm intrigued and excited to see some of those guys play now I'm excited to see some of these you know if Matt LaFleur and the offense and, and Nathaniel Hackett are going to start assigning snaps based on how well guys played in the preseason games then I'm, I'm excited to see what Shepard and Lazard and some of those other younger guys can do because you can probably stash one or two of them on the practice squad. You've got to think ahead to your, you know, your next couple of years. I mean, the, the wide receiver position right now is really stacked because these guys are all young. There aren't any guys that are going to be retiring soon or, you know, barring injury, aren't going to continue to be fast and be productive and you assume that they're going to continue to learn and ascend, you know, equanimity St. Brown, it wasn't on, it wasn't a wide receiver, but heads up play you got, you know, on kick coverage. And first of all, remember when he said he wasn't going to play special teams last year when he got drafted and there he is scores the first touchdown of the preseason on a heads up play on a muff punt, which was a terrible muff by the uh, Texans returner, by the way. Um, One of the other issues with Jamon Moore too, was on one of his routes, he actually um, planted off the wrong foot. And yeah, so, yeah, it's just, you know, and it, it's just those are the kind of things that lead me to believe that, look, I, I'm not going to dog his effort. The guy's trying. I know that there have been some situations in life where I'm up against something challenging at work. You know, uh, when I did play sports and sometimes it just gets in your head. You just get inside mm-hmm. your own head. And I think I don't know what's your take on that. I think that's that's probably what Jamon Moore is battling. And that is something that is. Sometimes I think more difficult to overcome than a physical limitation. Yeah, I, I 100% agree that it is something mental. Um, I mean, just from the one preseason game, we can put the bobbled catches, um, and then the one we had just talked about where he's crossing the middle. He just looked lost. He like didn't know the ball was coming. Didn't see it. You know, didn't put his arms out. It, like I said, it was just really confusing to see. Um, so I think it is um, a mental battle for him right now, and it's just snowballing at this point. Yeah. So back at it this week and see how practice starts and this wide receiver battle goes. You know, the other thing, too, that I hate to mention, but I mention it because it's it's just a fact. And then I also hope that by putting it out in the universe, I'm fighting the, um, you know, the the Murphy's law of it. But injuries sometimes also kind of help some of these. uh, I shouldn't say help, but they create the decision for the team, you know, hopefully, hopefully it comes down to them having to pick from all these guys healthy 
Right. But if somebody does get hurt, you know, Trevor Davis um, left practice earlier in the week. You know, he got a stinger. So will that be something that lingers? Not sure. Um, so at, at wide receiver, I think that might also be part of what tells the entire story. But so at this point right now, Paul, what, how many is it, is it going to be? It's not going to just be five. So are they going to keep, do you think there's any possibility that they keep seven? And I, I, I will preface that by saying, I really think that they're going to keep four, four tight ends. I think they're going to keep Lewis, Jimmy Graham, Sternberger, the draft pick, obviously, and then Robert Tanyan had a nice catch, too. I think they're going to keep those four tight ends. So knowing that, do you think there's a chance that they keep a seventh wide receiver? I agree with you. I think they'll keep four tight ends as well, and no, I don't think they'll keep seven. Um, we look at what Lafleur did last year with Tennessee, mm-hmm. and granted, you know, it's Marcus Mariota versus Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams versus um, uh, name slipped in my mind, but there's receiver. Um and they ran the ball more than they passed it. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen here, but I think we're going to see more running of the ball than we have in recent years. You know, it's not going to be 70-30 anymore. Plus, there's the usage of running backs in his system, not just in the running game, but as pass catchers as well. Danny Vitale at fullback, the four tight ends that you mentioned. I mean, even if it's close, and it's going to be close for some of these receivers, I just don't see them keeping seven just because I think tight ends and running backs are going to play a much bigger role in this offense than they have in the past yeah i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna say i think it's possible that they could I, I i just think they've got they've got so many talented guys and if they like one of them and they want they want them to be the future you got to get them in the game you got to get them some game reps and god willing this season you know they'll they might even get to play in some playoff games because we hope the packers end up getting back to the playoffs and i think the offense and the wide receiver group is going to be a big part of the reason why mm-hmm. i mean yeah they're going to run the ball and that's fine, but it's still Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and you know, let's not make any mistake. He's going to throw it, too. So the wide receivers and the guys that are going to catch it are going to be a key part of the, of the whole thing. All right, so before we get to our last um, fun topic here of the night, you're just a few hundred feet, I mean, obviously several hundred feet away from Lambeau Field, but you're in the Green Bay locale. So did you hear... Any audible arguing today between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers? My tongue-in-cheek question of the day while you were out there working on the fence. Was there any any drama coming out of 1265 that you heard? Um, no, I did not, but I can assure you that if there was, it'll be on Pro Football Talk tomorrow. Yeah, well, it'll be on Pro Football Talk regardless. Uh, and, man, that, that site and, and, my, and Florio, man, that, that whole situation has really taken a dive. I mean, I know I'm a Packers fan, and there's a lot not to like about Florio. And I don't disagree with everything that he says, but he's obviously got his, his M.O. And, uh, but that whole situation has just kind of really gone full Skip Bayless, which is not, in my opinion, the direction no. that you want to go when you're, when you're in sports media. But unfortunately, you know, um, and I, I mentioned this to Tyler Resort. Uh, how do I pronounce his last name? Grizoric. I always want to say Grizoric, but do you know? That's what I was going to say. Grizoric. Grizoric, yes. And we were <laughs> we were chatting on Twitter, and I think the, the the new sports fan, I think that's what they like. They like the drama. They want the mm-hmm. engaging, dramatic, you know. So instead of going, instead of being in, you know, integrity, you know, an integrity type journalist, uh, you know, beat writer, journalism guy, they want they want the guys that are going to stir the pot a little bit, and it's just kind of it's 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 kind of frustrating because 
I don't know. I'm I'm kind of an old codger, and I grew up old school, and and I kind of miss the old way of of having it reported like it is. Um, I can get behind the the entertainment factor of it all and the Kardashian you know generation that we live in right now, but I don't know. I don't I don't know what your take on that is. No, I 100% agree, and for me, it's really frustrating just given the the platform that he has, and then you know the stories or the misleading stories is obviously my opinion that he decides to run with. But like you said, it's what's being consumed right now. I was actually just having this conversation. You know, if you're a Bears or Vikings fan, and you see you know Cole Rogers on the floor are fighting again. You know, you're going to sit there, have a good laugh to yourself. Oh, Packers are going to suck again. I'm going to click read this for fun. You know, that's that's what the consumption's coming from. Well, it's ammo for their guns, and even if there's nothing to it, the second the Packers lose a game or they lose opening week or they have you know a bad a bad offensive series, yep. everyone's going to point to that because they just want to rile Packers fans up and they hope that the team reads it and it gets in their head and it's all it's all this big mental game and, and it says a lot about the Packers fan base. They know that we pay attention, read, and consume. So yeah, we do. <laughs> Going after it, <laughs> we do. And fans out there that are listening to the show, don't take the bait. Don't be be Not better than that. Don't <laughs> rise above it. Don't be that. Don't be that that way. We don't want to be like Vikings fans um, or 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 Bears fans. But I'm specifically gonna gonna key in on being like Vikings fans because. During the game on Thursday, and I don't think any of us knew this was going to be the case, every third down on defense, the Packers are debuting this new sound effect to try to get the crowd into the game that I believe is supposed to, and you live in Green Bay, is supposed to emulate the, is it the the barge in Green Bay? The foghorn in Green Bay. Well, unfortunately, uh, my first thought when I heard it was, is this a joke and are they trying to troll the Minnesota Vikings and the Gallarhorn. It sounds just like it, and it's got to be one of the most horrendous sounds I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I actually hate that Vikings horn when you're watching on TV, and now I'm watching a game at Lambeau and got to hear something similar. As you can tell, not a fan of it. But I will say, I did like Lafleur's comments about how, and I like the reasoning behind it. I like how he's trying to get the fan base more involved on third downs, be louder, because it is an issue at Lambeau Field. He said that in an interview. So I like where he's coming from. My solution, when you're at Lambeau, what gets everyone going? A go pack, go chant. You know, every third down, start that back up. That always seems to get everyone involved. It gets loud. So that's my solution. Like I said, I like where he's coming from with it, but that ain't it. Yeah, I think that's the right organic way to get the fans involved is go pack go and some of those historic calls that we've heard inside of Lambeau Field for a long time. I mean, I was not too long ago watching a replay of one of the playoff games in 1996, Mm -hmm. and that was a different Lambeau Field anyway, and it was just a different situation altogether. But my God, if that crowd wasn't so engaged, everybody standing, waving flags, cheering loud, just insane. And there weren't as many seats as there are now. And obviously with the secondary market and all the other things that have changed and gone on, the renovation of Lambeau Field and the price of tickets in general, you just, you know, it's, it's the reality is it's a changing scene at the stadium. But, you know, our fan base has, and we've given our own fans a, a really hard time for doing the wave, especially doing the <laughs> wave when the team is on offense, which is really frustrating because then you're creating noise when you don't want it. Um, you've got other fans that have been there for a long time and they are telling, apparently telling guys in front of them that are standing to sit down so they can watch the game. 
I've been that person who's been told that multiple times. <laughs> See that that's okay. So I mean, we have a couple extra minutes here. So how did you how did you handle that? Because that's as a Packers fan, and especially as somebody who's in Green Bay. I mean, was that just extremely disappointing to hear? Oh, it absolutely is, and that's why I was really excited or um, you know encouraged by what Lafleur said about what they're trying to do, and that the fan base does need to be more excited. And as far as what I said, I said, "Well, I paid for these tickets, and I'm going to cheer." So that was that was about my answer, and I didn't. I did not sit down. You know what they should do? Maybe is like a buy a beer program if it's the thir- <laughs> if it's before the fourth quarter, and someone's telling you to sit down. Clearly, you need to buy that guy a beer because that, that, <laughs> he, he needs to loosen up a little bit. He You're or right. she, he or she needs to loosen up a little bit. Come on, man, it's football. You got to get loud. You need that home field advantage, and, and that's what we're there for. And, and believe it or not, I mean, come on, look in Seattle. Look at what it's like in, in some of these other venues in New Orleans, you know, and obviously in New Orleans is inside, you know, it's in a dome, but Seattle's outdoors, like the, the crowd noise does make a difference. I was at a game the last time the Packers played the Chargers in San Diego, I was there and it was about 75% Packers fans. And by the end of the game, Phillip Rivers was going off of a, they had to go off of a silent count in their own building, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm like, if we can do that on the road, we should be doing that easily eight times at Lambeau Field. Yeah, that's exactly what Fleur said when he was in Atlanta as the quarterback's coach. He said all the cheeseheads filled the stadium, and they at home had to do the silent count as well. And he just wants that same environment here, and I think that's a very, very, very reasonable thing to ask of us. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, I, all I can say is it's, it's great to be teaming up with you, man. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Packers football is back. So... They've got another game this week, and so we will – I think our the way the rotation is working is you and I will be on every other week. So I think we'll be – we'll probably be – we'll be talking about preseason game number three, and what's going to be interesting about that game is that one's being played in Canada. And apparently have – you, have you heard this? There's hardly any tickets being sold at that game. <laughs> I did hear that, and the asking price like 160 bucks, and I think that's an issue as well as preseason tickets going for the same price as regular season. But I guess that's another topic. But I mean, Winnipeg. I guess I don't know what what Packers and Raiders draw up there, but yeah, it sounds like there's going to be pretty empty. Yeah, it's it it's that, and so we were talking about crowd noise, and I'm like, man, it might sound like they're they're having like a closed practice scrimmage game. You know, if there's going to be that few fans in the stadium, but that is, you know, and I don't know what what they're going to do with the the roster and the players. I mean, eventually, I think you've got to get some of these starters a chance to get on the field and get some of the kinks out. I don't know if they're going to do the typical thing where preseason game three is like your dress rehearsal and some of the starters are going to play. But I'm excited to see how these next couple of weeks go and and what we'll have to talk about when we reconvene in a couple of weeks. So. Uh, any parting thoughts for the crowd before we sign off here, Paul? Um, I just want to go back to the receivers real quick, as long as we're doing parting thoughts, and just say keep your eyes on Darius Shepard. I'm a big fan of him. He He's a prototypical slot, which slot plays an important part in the floor offense, and I'm not saying he needs a prototypical guy to do it, um, but he's been impressive. He had the touchdown catch in uh, training camp. He's beaten Jair Alexander in red zone drills, and he also can be a return man as well, which I know is a big, you know, boost for Trevor Davis since, you know, he's basically been the only guy who can provide that. So that's my guy to keep your eyes on moving forward. Yeah, I like what I saw from him. My parting thought is just I really like the vibe of this year's team. I talk Mm -hmm. about the culture, the vibe, just 
Are these guys tight? Do they play with energy? You know, you lose a guy like Mike Daniels, who was one of the heart and soul vocal leaders in the locker room and on the field, and you wonder if that's going to set the team back. I don't see that. I see this team as being very tight, very vocal, very put together. They're playing as a team, and I think they've bought in, and, and they want to get back to their winning ways. And even some of the young guys realize, look, we're, we're wearing the green and gold. We've got to honor this, this franchise, the tradition. The fact that it's their hundredth season and and or, or you know they're turning a hundred years old. As a matter of fact, today they're a hundred years old today, August eleventh, Sunday, right? Yes, they're happy birthday, happy one hundredth birthday, Green Bay Packers. <laughs> what a what a sports. Well, what a, I mean, obviously we were handpicked to do the show then, Paul, because who else right, you exactly. who else is going to ring in the hundredth birthday other than <laughs> Jason and Paul on their first show on Pack a Day? So happy hundredth birthday to the Green Bay Packers. It's been a blast. Uh, until next time. Everybody keep enjoying watching these these Packers play, and we will talk to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.